Hello, this is Tim Conboy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Do you believe that today? I'm sorry, do you believe that today? Yeah, now you're talking. All right, all right. He is risen. Amen. Today we're going a little bit different today. We're going to be actually dividing my message in two parts, and one part is right now. So if you care to flee, now's the time, but no. Retro, that was the theme kind of chosen today that folks just looking back, and hence the stained glass windows. Some are saying how much they really like this. They say, man, I really like these windows. Well, feel free to take them with you when you leave, because they do just peel off, and so uh, I appreciate all the effort that goes into this day. What a great day today. Our Savior is risen indeed. Amen? Woo, yeah! Amen. Because He's alive, we're alive. Do you believe that today? Because He lives, we live, and because He died, we never die. Right? He that lives and believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me shall never die. He said, do you believe this? As we think of today, as we look back and we kind of had, like I said, this retro theme. By the way, I, I only retroed back five years. Enjoy it while you got it. It's just gone next week. I will be resurrected next week from this time. But, you know, as we look back, I thought of our theme today, and I, I thought of the, even like this video with Barabbas. And rather than read the text of Barabbas, for the video explained it quite well. But I wanted to look for a moment at an ancient picture. It's an ancient picture that doesn't just stop at the cross. It goes thousands of years before the cross. And it was a picture looking ahead to the cross... And a picture that applies even to the present reality of you and I today. This picture is in an unusual place. It's in the book of Leviticus. And as I'm about to read the text, I'm reminded by Isaac Brickner, who was with us last week, a young Jewish man who uh, shared and taught from a Jewish Seder. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? Good stuff. I was like, wow, that's awesome. I'm reminded that the cross of Christ and even the subsequent church to follow was not God's plan B, as he said. It wasn't God's plan B. It was God's plan from the beginning. Redemption's plan uh, threads all the way through the tapestry of time. And God was going to send a redeemer, someone to redeem us, someone to forgive us, someone to give to us eternal life. And so way, way back, thousands of years, even before the time of the cross, there was a picture in Leviticus 16, which I call the picture of forgiveness. It was a picture of forgiveness found in a substitute. Follow with me. You can follow in the overhead to give you kind of an update of what's going on. This is, in chapter 16, is the Day of Atonement. This time of year is a time of the Feast of Passover. It is not the time of atonement. That will be uh, this year. The Feast of Atonement will be in October. 
but this text is about the atonement as we think of the cross of Christ. And it, on the day of atonement, three animals were brought to the high priest. There was a bull, and then there were two goats. What we're going to focus on are these two goats. Verse 7. He shall take, he being the high priest, shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he would take them, not out in the public arena, but he'd bring them to the tabernacle. This is pre-temple right now. He'd bring it to the tabernacle, and the scripture will say he'll have one on each side of him. Then Aaron, who is the high priest, shall cast lots for the two goats. They had a wooden box. And in that wooden box, there were two, if you will, like pieces of paper, two notes. One symbolized, uh, one that says, belonging to the Lord. And the one to whom, the goat to whom that uh, applied to, belonged to the Lord. And the other was known as the Azazel. Now we'll continue. So he would cast lots. And one lot for the Lord, and the other for the scapegoat. We're familiar with that word, scapegoat. Matter of fact, it's interesting that it used to be spelt with the E for escape, but that dropped and lost and over time. just became known as the scapegoat. The word Azazel, A-Z-A-Z-E-L, Azazel. The word here in the Hebrew, Azazel, does not mean scapegoat. They simply translate it. They, actually, they don't translate the Hebrew meaning. They describe what took place. We'll see as we read. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. But the goat in which the lot fell to the scapegoat, the Azazel, shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it. And let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Verse 15. Then he, the high priest, shall kill the goat of the sin offering, for it is, which is for the people. Bring his blood inside the veil... Do with the blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Verse 21. And Aaron, the high priest, shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over it, not some, not a few, but all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions. Concerning all their sins. Let's pause for a moment. Sins, transgression, iniquity. We're saying, isn't it all the same thing? Well, it is, but they're different locations. The idea is iniquity, in, in. This is things that are on the inside, your mind, your thoughts, things that no one else sees. These are iniquities. The thoughts on the inside then become an, a sin on the outside. They're put into practice. And as we continue, to, literally means to miss the mark. As we continue beyond that, it means to transgress or to trespass. We know trespass across the boundary. Transgress is to continue on the other side of that mark. So you confess all the inward sin, all the sin that goes beyond that mark. And he says, in all their sins, all their acts. Of missing the mark. 
put them on the head of the goat, and he says, and you shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all the iniquities to an uninhabited place or land. And he shall release the goat in the wilderness. When we come to this picture, this ancient picture of even a present reality today, we see here this creature, this goat known as the Azazel. Azazel, as I mentioned, does not mean goat. It does not mean to escape. It does not mean scapegoat. The word itself means to remove entirely. It means to completely take away. It means to to remove in such a way there is nothing left to remove. That means there is not even a scrap of evidence left behind. That's what this word Azazel means. And the high priest would pull from the box a lot which would identify one of the goats as the one that belongs to the Lord or will be slain. The other would be the Azazel. And on this goat, the Azazel, the priest, the high priest Aaron would lay not one, but both hands. Both his hands on the head of this goat. And the scripture says that he will then, after laying both hands on on the goat, confess over it all the iniquities, all the transgressions, and all the sins. Now, do you think that he actually went down through a shopping list of every individual's sin? I think not, or he'd still be here doing it today, right? When I got saved, I remember that morning... I knew I was supposed to confess that I was a sinner. And I I said, Lord, if I were to confess all my sin, I'll be here another 22 years. I literally told him that. And like I said before, I confessed the ones I recently committed. And I confessed the ones I planned on committing the next day. I figured, why not? I knew I was going to do it. You know, at least I was planning at that time to do it. I never did do it, bless God. But the high priest would lay his hands on this animal and confess, all of us are sinners. All of us come short of the glory of God. There is none of us here in Israel that is righteous. There is none of us here that is not some manner of sin in our life. He didn't go down through the line item of each one. He confessed, we are sinners. We have iniquity, sin inside of us. And we missed the mark and crossed the boundary and trespassed where you told us not to go. And if it's not bad enough, we don't just cross the line. We stay across the line. We continue to transgress. And the high priest laid his hands on that animal. And before all the witnesses would confess this. Then it's interesting, we find in the Talmud that they would wrap his horns with a red thread or red yarn or fabric. And then they would escort this Azazel. And they would escort the Azazel into a far place uninhabited where no one was and into the wilderness, never to be seen again. And what was interesting is it was reported that for 40 years, for 40 years during a time of what's known as Simon the Just, During that 40-year period, the scarlet thread or 
or fabric wrapped around the horns actually turned white. Saying your sins are forgiven. And what's fascinating is it, they continued it. said this happened again and again and again. And they said this happened for 40 years. Not for thousands of years. But it happened for this 40 year period of time. Which I find is fascinating. Because that's the, the number of testing. The 40 years. But they said 40 years prior to the destruction of the temple. It stopped. And they don't know why. It stopped turning white. Well that's interesting. The temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. You back up 40 years and guess where you're at? The time of Christ. The crucifixion. The Azazel. Which takes away the sins of the world. You see, when I look at this picture, this ancient picture, I see these these animals that are here and one is slain. And he gave his life and the other is is literally excommunicated, taken out into this wilderness and, and released, never to be seen again. One on which all the sins were placed upon, and the other died because of the sins. But what I'm reminded of here is that these creatures did not die for their own sin. These were innocent animals. I mean, really, what did they do? They didn't do anything. The one that belonged to the Lord did nothing, and yet he forfeited his life. And the Azazel did nothing, and yet he was taken out into the wilderness. You see, friends, the picture we're looking at is the fact that these two innocent ones died as a substitute for the guilty ones. The people were guilty. Israel was guilty. The Israelites were guilty. The priest himself was guilty. All the guilty ones had a substitute known as one, the the goat that belonged to the Lord, and the other as the Azazel. And yet they did not have anything to do with their sins. These animals didn't commit the sin. They didn't commit the iniquities. It wasn't their thoughts. It wasn't their behavior. It wasn't their sin at all. And when I look at that ancient picture, I realize that that is indeed a picture of Barabbas. But it's not only a picture between Barabbas and Jesus, but it's a picture between you and I and Jesus. You see, friends, we collectively are Barabbas. We are the ones that are the Barabbas. We are the ones that are guilty ones. We are the ones that have the iniquity in our minds and hearts. We are the ones that cross the mark. We are the ones that continue to live beyond the mark. We are the ones that break the law of God. We are the guilty ones. We are the Barabbas. Barabbas committed the crime. Barabbas was sentenced. Barabbas was the one to be crucified that day. Yet Barabbas was the one who was set free. You see, friends, when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't just go as Barabbas' substitute. He went as your substitute and my substitute. Can I get a witness for that? He went for your substitute and my substitute. I couldn't go for your substitute. You know why? I have my own sin. And you, guess what? I couldn't go for my sin because you know why? You guessed it. If you didn't, ask your friend next to you. They'll help you. (laughs) You have your own sin. But when I look at this, I realize that Jesus was both the one who belongs to the Lord. Do you remember at the cross, they said, you know, let him cry out to the Father if the Father would have him. And guess what? The Father would have him. The Father would have him be the one who dies. 
But the Father would also have him be the one who was our Azazel. And it was upon Jesus he bore all our sins, not some of our sins. Listen, Jesus didn't die for the sins that you have committed only. He didn't die for the sins you're going to commit today. He died for the sins from the cradle to the grave. Every single sin you ever committed has already been taken completely out of the way. Do you believe that? He is our Azazel. All of our sin was placed on him. And he was the one that removed our sin. And friends, he didn't just remove it as far out into the wilderness. The scripture said as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed us from our iniquities. Thank you, Lord. I've said it before. Praise God he didn't say north and south. Because as you know, you go north... Soon you'll be going south. And when you go south, soon you'll be going north. But friends, I want to tell you something. If you go east, you will continue to go east and 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 continue to go east. And you will never, ever, ever, ever be going west. Ever. East never meets west. West never meets east. The two are at diametrically opposite ends. And only God knows where those ends are. Amen. He said, and that's how far. That's how far. My Jesus. My Azazel. That's how far he took my sins on him. And took them as far as the east is from the west from me. Hallelujah for that. Amen. Yeah. Never to be remembered again. Never to be, to come to his mind again. He says, no, Tim. They're gone. How many of them, Lord? Is it most of them? Is it a few of them? He says, no, Tim. They're all gone. They're gone forever. Friends, I want to tell you something. We celebrate this day, Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate an ancient picture of a present-day reality that in Christ, our Azazel, all the sins, past, present, and future, are forever gone. Can you say amen? Amen. Forever. That is why, as I liked in that video, he said, he treated Jesus like Barabbas so he could treat Barabbas is like Jesus. He treats us just like his holy beloved son because he has separated us from our iniquities. Aren't you glad for that today? Corey's going to come and we're going to spend a time around the communion table. Meditate on the things that Christ has done for us. Last week they had a just a moment of kind of impromptu testimonies, and, and what a blessing for those who are willing to participate. We were a little worried with the stained glass windows today with Don. I said, no beer bottles through the windows, but uh, he was well behaved. And, uh, as we think of our first picture this morning, we thought of the picture of forgiveness. But as we listened to the testimonies, and we realized that today the the grave is empty. Christ rose from the dead. 
right? I mean, the grave does, does not have claim on him. It did not hold him. He resurrected from the dead. And like Gabe said, every day for us now is like a resurrected day. We are alive. We have eternal life because Jesus died, but also because he rose from the dead. Amen? If he never rose from the dead, like we said, it would not be good news. It'd be sad news. Like the men on the road to Emmaus thought it was just sad news. We thought that he was the one. Little did they know that he was the one. And he still is the one. He is the one that will resurrect your life. And even as he did with Dee a year ago, uh, Easter Sunday last year, Dee received Christ as her Savior. Amen. That was awesome. Moved from the head to the heart. And an exciting time in her life. As I think of, as I mentioned, the picture, the picture of forgiveness, I want to close with the picture of what I call the picture of freedom. I want to set the scene for you. It's in the book of Leviticus as well, chapter 14. It's kind of interesting because when you get up to chapter 16, you're dealing with the atonement and so forth and the forgiveness of sin and the Azazel and the removing of sin. But when you read in chapter 14... You're not necessarily dealing with sin, if you will. You're dealing with an issue. The issue is known as leprosy. And as you work through the chapter, you'll see at least three different kinds of leprosy. There was a leprosy that was in the house, literally in the walls and in the plaster of the walls. And it had to be removed. It had to be cleansed. There'll be leprosy in the house. And then there'll be leprosy in the fabric, in the clothes that they wore. And then you're going to see not only leprosy in the house and then on a fabric, but then it keeps getting closer and closer and closer until eventually it's the leprosy of the skin on the body. And what's fascinating about leprosy is leprosy was not a disease that was cured. You never read about it being cured. Leprosy is a disease that was only cleansed, not cured. It wasn't something that a doctor could take care of. This was something that only God could take care of. That only God could cleanse it and only God could deliver uh, someone in such a situation. When we think of the fact that yes, our sins are on the Azazel and are forever taken away. We also consider the fact that you know what? There's still things in life, in your life, in my life. That are still issues around us. And sometimes they're there in our close proximity. Sometimes they're even closer to us. Sometimes they're even closer to us. And these issues have a way of just kind of bearing down on us. And we say, you know, what about deliverance? What does God say about these things? Am I ever going to be released from this plague, if you will? As we look here in Leviticus... We are told in verse 48 of chapter 14. But if the priest comes in and examines it, meaning the house, and, the, and indeed the plague is not spread in the house, after the house was plastered, in other words, put new wall coverings, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the plague is healed. Now, is the house already clean? Remember going like this. All right. So in the text, the house is already clean. And the priest said, it's clean. It's, it's done. It's gone. The leprosy's gone. And he says, now, after you see that, 
He says, And he shall take to cleanse the house two birds, cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. So he goes in, he sees the house is clean, but then he'll go, he's going to go through this ceremony to show the cleansing and to remind them that it's clean. So he takes these two birds, these two turtle doves, and he shall kill one bird in an earthen vessel over running water. So as the water would run down, he would then slay the bird. And he shall take, notice, the cedar wood, the hyssop, the scarlet fabric, and he says, and the living bird, and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and in the running water, and sprinkle the house seven times, the divine number. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird with the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in the open field and shall make atonement for the house and it shall be clean. Clean indeed. This is the law for any leprosy or leprous sore and scales. As we come to this picture, like the previous one, we saw two creatures, two goats in that picture. In this picture, we don't see two goats, we see two birds, two turtle doves. And when we look at this picture, we realize again that these birds are innocent. They had nothing to do with the issue that that person was dealing with. Had nothing to do with the battle that they were facing. Had nothing to do with the, the walls in their proximity or that which is closer in their fabric or that which they were in personal contact with. The birds had nothing to do with it. And yet when you look at the situation, one of the birds must die. One bird will shed his blood. As a matter of fact, that his blood will be shed, the scripture says, under running water. So he'll be slain as the water and the blood will be mixed together and collected. And when we look at this, we are reminded of the fact that when Jesus hung on the cross, do you remember when they came with the spear and they speared his side and what came forth but blood mingled with water? Huh. The same picture we saw in Leviticus. And then we see that that the other bird, the one that was uh, still alive, They took the wood, the cedar wood of all things, was put with that bird. Now, if you were a bird, I have been accused of having a brain of one. However, do you think you'd be a little frightened about now? Probably about the time they grabbed hold of me. Now, in my little bird brain, if I looked and saw my friend bird, which has happened, I'd really be frightened. You know what I mean? All I know is, this isn't natural. This isn't good. This doesn't look good. And, but yet, they would take the bird and they would put wood with it. Why the wood? Because in that wood, we see a picture of the cross of Christ. And he says, and put with the wood hyssop, bitter herbs. Why? Because what Christ went through was a bitter experience. And then take some cloth, some fabric, scarlet, and put that with that bird all three of them with the bird collectively. Why scarlet? Because Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 reminds us that though your sins be as what? 
scarlet. They shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. You see, the picture, this is not just something that the Lord says, well, this will keep you occupied until the cross. He goes, no, this is a picture. This is a reminder that when there are issues in life, these issues are only something that cannot be cured. They can be cleansed. And they cannot be cleansed by you cleansing them. They cannot be cleansed by 12 steps. They cannot be cleansed by you uh, changing your habits. They cannot be cleansed by you going to the temple or the synagogue. They can only be cleansed by God. And those issues in your life that you want release from your life, they can only be cleansed through the freedom that Jesus Christ brings. You see, that bird was taken out of the city and set free, but I want to know something. I want you to know that he was not set free until first the blood was applied. Once the blood was applied, just as Jesus was taken out of the city, so also they took the bird out of the city and they released that bird. Now, again, were you the bird that was held captive and alive and all these things wrapped around you and then dunked into that, that vessel of blood and water? And then you were taken out in the field and released. Do you think you would fly back and perch on his shoulder? You'd take off, wouldn't you? I am out of here. I would, I, I mean, I would just fly. I think it was Psalm, I think, 53. Oh, that I had wings like a dove and I would fly and be at peace. I'd be out of here. You see, that bird set free, but not until the blood was applied. But once that blood was applied, that bird was free. Never to go through that process again. Never to have to encounter this fear again. Just totally set free. Now when I look at this, I am reminded that when you look in the Old Testament and you see anyone cleansed from leprosy, you'll find out that it is a man named Nathan who is a Gentile. Wasn't an Israelite. Was not even instructed to go to see the priest. However, when you get into the New Testament... And Jesus comes and you see the, the leper come through. Now, by the way, when the, when the leprous person comes through, it's not an issue of the house. It's not an issue of the clothes. It's on him. And it's an issue he's battling. But he would have to go and say, unclean, unclean. He would have to yell this so that everyone around him would hear and had to keep at least 10 feet away from him. In every direction. You can imagine on those crowded streets walking through Jerusalem, unclean, unclean. And when you have to keep a 10-foot radius from this person in those narrow streets, how sad a picture. People just up against the wall, trying to stay away from you, trying not to be contaminated by you because you're unclean. Ten such lepers walked through Jerusalem. Ten such lepers cried out for mercy, cried out to God for mercy. And the Lord Jesus Christ healed all ten of the lepers. Do you remember that case? Remember that situation? All ten were healed. All ten would walk and they would look and all of a sudden their hands were, were intact and their fingers were there and the digits were still moving and working. 
They were no longer uh, just nubs at the end of their arms. They were no longer covered with boils. They were totally clean. And yet, as they were cleansed, they were free to go like that bird. Yet, out of all those ten lepers, how many returned? One. One. One came back and said, Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus asked a profound question for which that person was not responsible for. But he asked this question. Did I not cleanse ten lepers today? And yet only one returns to say thanks. You see, friends, I want to remind you something. That you and I sometimes forget. That because Jesus was our Azazel, because He was the scapegoat, because He was the one that took our sins, we are indeed forever forgiven. Can I get a witness for that? We are forever set free. We are forever forgiven. But I want to remind you something else. If the Son shall take you and set you free, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Can I get a witness for that? Free from the issues around you. Free from the issues close to you. Free from the issues on you. And let me tell you something. If you are battling some bondage, why do we still walk through like the leper and say, I'm so unclean. So unclean. So unclean. We ought to be the ones saying, no. These shackles aren't locked. Why do I still wear them? These garments aren't stained. Why do I still claim them? These surroundings that I'm in are not part of who I am any longer. I have been set free. Free. You are free in Christ. Forever free. Forever forgiven. Forever let go. And yes... You are free to fly. You're free to flee. Were there not ten? But friends, you were set free. So you'd be free to follow. He didn't just set you free to say, wasn't that nice? See you in heaven. Or Christmas. Or Easter. Don't take offense if that's you. Talk about somebody else in another church. He doesn't just set you free to say, there, you're free forever. He set us free so we could follow him. So we can make him the object of our affection and our love and our drive and our ambition and our gratitude. He says, thanks, Lord. Because you didn't cure me, you cleansed me through and through. And now I'm a new creature in Christ. And though I'm free to flee, I choose to be free to follow. I want to encourage you today to realize once again that life is short, my friends. I'm a young guy. I got that from Jim McGrail. I heard him say that one time. I'm still a young guy, but let me tell you something. I'm going to hit the double nickels here in a week. 
55. Come on, they're the really old people. Yeah. You know they're old. When you see them kiss, you're like, ooh, when you're a kid. Gross. They're old. And then you turn around and you are them. Go so fast. You're free. If you're saved today, you're free. The shackles you see still hanging on you, they're not attached to you. Let them go. We have loved ones here in our presence whose dad just went to be with Jesus a couple days ago. Forever free. And I will guarantee one thing. Everyone in heaven today, everyone in glory, who are indeed free, are not fleeing from Christ. They're falling at his feet. And they say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Before you know it, the page of your life will turn. And at the end, it'll say, the end. And in a way, it'll all say, the beginning. The beginning of a whole new experience. But right now, I want to challenge you. You who just casually, oh, yeah, I'm saved and set free who's made it such a casual event in your life, would you make it something with meaning? Would you remember you were dipped in that blood? You're set free. Would you find yourself winging your way to Jesus to worship him and thank him for everything he's done for you? I don't know about you. I'm sure glad I'm free. sure glad I'm free. Jared's going to come and just have a dramatic reading, if you will, a few dramatic words. Here's a man that God set free. Here's a man that had a basketball-sized tumor in his abdomen just a few short months ago. Declared to be cancerous, and yet, here he is today, healed and touched by God. Amen? If in fact it's true that Jesus rose from the dead, that he defeated the final enemy, death itself, then everything has changed. If he truly rose again, life will never be the same as we know it. The gospel is the good news. It's the good news about how God sent his son who came to triumph in this life who came to live a sinless life, a perfect life, a selfless life. Then he gave up that life as a sacrifice on the cross. But he did not just die. He rose again on the third day. Resurrection is what makes the news good. We keep preaching the victorious champion that our King Jesus truly is. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the victorious King of Ages. Your name, your name is victory. 